ಪತಂಜಲಿ who benefited mankind by delivering yoga for mind grammar for speech and by removing impurities of the body through medicine so in the last class we were studying the 16th and the 17th sutra of the second chapter of the patanjali yoga sutra the 16th sutra is heyam dukham anagatam that the pain which is yet to come is to be discarded heyam is the pain that which is inferior that which is which has to be discarded that is heyam what is heyam the dukham anagatam the suffering which we have already accrued which is already going to fructify because of the prarabdha the prarabdha because of the prarabdha which is going to fructify so that we cannot avoid but there are three types of karma as in the last class we were saying sanchita prarabdha and the kriyamana these are the three types of karma the sanchita is the accumulated works prarabdha is the fructifying the which the works which has started fructifying and the kriyamana the current works for which in future uh, we are going to fructify the this act this uh, the, the in the future they are going to fructify for the actions which i am doing now whose results are, are going to be fructified in the future so these are the three types of karma which has been indicated in the yoga as well as in the vedanta so as in the last class we were giving an example to understand that what is sanchita what is prarabdha and what is kriyamana with the help of a very common example in vedanta what's that example the example of a bowman the bowman has gone for hunting and when he's he has seen a bird sitting on the branch of so sitting on the branch <clears throat> of a tree and he takes out an arrow from the quiver and places it on the bow and shoots it before the arrow hits the mark the bowman thinks that most probably it may not hit the mark so before the bird fly off let me just try to shoot the second arrow even if the first misses the second will go and hit so he takes the second bow second uh, arrow from the quiver places it on the bow and is about to shoot it when suddenly that the thought of compassion the compassion wells up suddenly he starts thinking that it is not good to kill the birds so he resists himself from shooting the second arrow now the first arrow which he has shot he cannot have any control over it whether uh, it is going to hit the mark or is going to miss it whatever it may be that's beyond his control that has already been shot so nothing can be done with that but the arrow which is about to shoot he will he won't he is not going to shoot any more and all the arrows which are on the quiver they are also not going to be used so this is the example which yoga vedanta philosophy gives to explain these three types of karma what actually is the sanchita karma all the arrows which are in the quiver which are yet to be used there the quiver is the storehouse of all the arrows that's the sanchita karma 
that as in the last class we were saying that for through the innumerable births all the actions which we have done it's not lost all the thoughts all the actions they as a latent impression remains in my subconscious mind they're not lost but at again all of them are not going to find expression just in the present life as per my tendencies which has resulted in this birth only those tendencies only those latent impressions will find expression the others will remain hidden in the subconscious mind our sub- subconscious mind is just like a wall in a dark room peach dark room just say the wall it is fully dark and now what's the conscious mind like you take out a torch and focus on that wall the entire wall won't be lit just where the focus of the torch falls that small circle that much portion will be lit up that will be lighted the remaining remains dark so our mind is like that the conscious mind is just like the where the conscious is focusing in this birth as per the tendencies in this birth the tendencies which has to manifest our consciousness focus there the remaining is there the remaining mind is there but it's dark it is not going to find expression in this life as in the last class jokingly that the example we give that most probably in some past birth we were the grazing animals of course as per the theory of evolution we were and in that birth the green grass was our the staple diet that was the food and we liked it so the craving for the this green grass is supposed to be there as a latent impression but as a human being as a in the human birth i never feel the craving for it so the yoga shastra will say that what has happened that as the craving for the green grass is not appropriate for the human birth it is in the dark region of your mind where the consciousness is not focused it is there again in future if i have to take birth as a grazing animal again that will manifest but in this birth as it is not appropriate for this birth it is hidden only those tendencies which are appropriate for this human birth they will find expression and accordingly my karma also will be determined by that so the prarabdha is only that portion of my mind whose latent impressions finds expression and accordingly the actions which i do i have almost no control over it it has started just fructifying but all those which are hidden how can i get rid of them that's the big question and kriyamana the actions which i am doing at present they also are going to be stored in the storehouse of my subconscious mind how can i get rid of them so here the sutra was indicating that yes i have no control of the prarabdha the actions which has started fructifying but i can get rid of the entire storehouse of the past karma which are yet to fructify the sanchita as well as the actions which i am doing present they also need not fructify in future how is it possible as in the last class we were giving the example with the viveka khyati that the constant discrimination that i am not the body not the mind not the senses i am not this limited individuality i am the conscious principle behind that it can be done in two ways as a devotee i can do it and as a gyani also i can do it if you are do, as a devotee you are doing that is called nimitta bhava that i am the nimitta i am just the instrument the lord is working through me and when you are thinking that then what happens you know that no one thinks that i am just this limited being even a devotee knows that he was he is he will be she was she is she will be through eternity as the conscious principle and the lord is there also as the eternal conscious principle 
and there's an eternal association between them. In this life, he or she is going through a particular a certain phase of his existence, which is temporary. Whatever actions he or she is doing as per the past karma is as if being directed by the Lord. The Lord has placed me in such a situation as per my past inclinations has placed me in such a situation that that inclinations will find, will fructify in this life in particular mode, in particular way. And I am just the instrument as the Lord who is working through me. So when you think that way, that also results, ultimately results in Viveka Khyati, where you are aware of your real self, that this body-mind complex is just a flow, is a passing phase. By constantly thinking of your real self, either as a devotee or as a Shakshi, the Jnani, the Jnani may not contemplate on the God, that eternal relationship between the individual soul and the Paramatman. He may not do that. He may think himself to be the one with the ultimate reality, but the programming is the same. You are denying your limited existence. You are constantly asserting your real nature. And that way you are disengaging from the psychophysical complex. And that what it does, it at last, when this contemplation becomes intense enough, it at last obliterates the ego. Now, as we were giving the example, the ego is like the hub of the will of our personality. And each and every spokes of that will are the individual desires, inclinations, latent impressions. There are innumerable such spokes, innumerable latent impressions. I cannot get rid of them one by one. It is so many are there. So how can I get rid of this wrong notion of the limited individual personality? If I try to get rid of the spoke one by one, it is never possible. I may get rid of one spoke, the other spoke will keep the will intact. There are so many desires. So what's the way that I can, once I understand that I am not this limited individuality, but the desires are constantly keeping me in this limited individual existence. And what's the way out? How can I get rid of them? Just try to get rid of the hub, that asmita, by constantly asserting your real nature. This constant viveka khyati, this viveka khyati, viveka means discrimination, khyati means knowledge. This discriminative knowledge that you have not the body, not the mind, not the senses. At last, it obliterates the ego. The hub is removed all the spokes fall off together. The entire will collapses. And that's how you get rid of your sense of individual identity. And then what happens? The Sanchita Karma in one go is gone. Because they were all holed up by the ego. And all the Kriyama, this, all the actions which I'm doing now, which are going to fructify in the future, they also are obliterated by the same that detachment. When I'm doing everything as a shakshi, as a nimitta, I'm not attached to the actions. Then what happens? Then uh, they are not going to accrue any result. As if you remember in the last class, we were giving the example of the revolving fan. When the fan is revolving, you how to stop it? Just by switching off. When you switch off, does the fan stop immediately? No. It continues to revolve because of its past momentum for some time and then slowly it stops. So switching off is like switching off your sense of identity with your psychophysical existence. Even the actions are going on because of the past momentum, because of the <clears throat> past force of your actions. It will continue. You have to continue with your activities with your responsibilities for some time but know it for certain if you are detached that just the way the fans gradually comes to a stop this also this uh, your prarabdha gradually will get exhausted and your kriyamana karma is not going to fructify so that's the uh, meaning of the sutra heyam dukkham anagatam
that though I may have to go through the experiences in this life, but that's going to stop if I get established in that Viveka Khyati. So, uh, after uh, just in the 16th Sutra, after saying that, now in the 17th Sutra, as in this last class we stud studied, that what's the cause of the so called the dukkha? That drashtu drishaya sangyoga heya hetu. This conjunction of the seer and the sin is the cause of all our suffering. The conjunction literally doesn't happen, it's apparent. In the scriptures, they give the example of a red flower placed in the proximity of a prism. When the red flower is clipped in the proximity of the prism, the prism appears to be red. It appears to be tinged with that red color, but actually that it has, there is no change in that prism. The prism actually has not really got uh, the different color. The tinge is just an apparent appearance. It's just an appearance, it's not real. Similarly, when the conscious principle is in association with the Prakriti, the conscious principle gets the tinge of the Prakriti, that all the dualities of the nature, this, the conscious principle thinks is his or her, and that becomes the cause of all the Dukkha. That I who am beyond all the dualities start thinking that all the dualities in life in the form of pleasure and pain, happiness, misery, all the dualities as if it's me who I'm experiencing. So once I can get rid of this conjunction, then all the suffering falls off. So that's the idea which was being indicated in the 17th Sutra. And then we just initiated the study of the 18th Sutra, which explains that what is Drishya. What is Drishya? Uh, the 18th Sutra speaks of that. Prakasha Kriya Sthitishilam Bhuta Indriya Atmakam Bhoga Apavarga Artha Drishyam. So now I will share the screen so that you can also refer to the Sutra. Prakasha Kriya Sthitishilam Bhutendriya Atmakam Bhoga Apavargartham Drishya. So what it is saying? The experienced, the Drishya, the thing which is experienced is composed only of two things, elements and organs. What is the elements, the Bhuta? The thing which I am seeing, I have an idea that there is something outside which I am seeing for the time being, understand that the things which, which I perceive are the elements. The things which I perceive are the elements. And how I perceive? Through the organs. Through all these organs, the ultimate organ is the mind. The mind is also the sixth organ. The Chakshu, Karna, Nasika, Jiva, Tak. These are the five uh, senses. And all the perceptions of these five senses is at last processed by the mind. So the mind is the sixth sense. So they are the this Indriya. So the, the things which I'm seeing in this world at last boils down to these two, the perceived and the organs of perception. So that is the, the things which are perceived is the Bhuta and the organs of perceptions are the Indriya. So the experience is composed of these two things. And this again is of the nature of illumination, sattva, action, rajas, and inertia, tamas. Prakasha, kriya, sthiti. Prakasha is the illumination. Kriya is the action. Sthiti is, speaks of the inertia. So this prakriti drishya is of the nature of bhuta and indriya. That we also clearly understand that the things which are perceived are the elements and the organs of perceptions are the Indriya. That we all understand. But the real difficulty comes to understand 
what actually is this sattva rajas and tamas sometimes we get so familiar with the terms we repeat it that world is trigunatmika but what this triguna actually means most of us don't have a very clear understanding so with the help of this 18 sutra and the next sutra we will try to understand what is sattva rajas tamas which has been spoken of in this sutra that the entire creation is trigunatmika sattva raja and tama these are the three gunas by which the entire nature is constituted what actually it means we almost have memorized it we say and uh, that this is the nature and this sattva rajas tamas this constitutes the bhuta and the indriya as well and they are the result of again this also we can understand they will they result in bhoga experience all the experience which i am having is because of this and at last the release apavarga that also once you have experience then only the question of uh liberation comes so all this which is happening the drishya is there for our experience as well as for our release as for our liberation so what actually is sutra speaking of now let us try to understand now this sutra actually this sutra and the 19th sutra actually speaks of the evolution how the nature has evolved it's a very wonderful uh, way the yoga shastra is speaking of evolution how the evolution has happened when the conscious principle comes in association with the moola prakriti the moola prakriti the nature nature is like the breeding ground the moola prakriti then immediately that mahat the cosmic mind comes into picture from that evolves the ahankar or the asmita and from that the pancha gyanendriya the five organs of perception the eyes the ears the nose the tongue and the skin the touch so these are the five gyanendriyas chakshu karna nasika jiva twak and pancha karmendriya the hands the feet hasta pada the organ of evacuation that excretion the organ of procreation and walk the speech these are the actions i can do actions with these five organs and all these gyanendriya and karmendriya are all connected with the mind it is through the mind i am perceiving and that is again responding to the karmendriya through the organs of action so these ahankara breaks into these three that also we can understand that that it is me who who uh, who has the mind who has the organs of action who has the organs of perception that i understand but now that ahankara again the yoga this yoga shastra says is actually finding expression as the rupa tanmatra rasa tanmatra gandha tanmatra shabda sparsha all the five perceptions is also ahankara here comes the difficulty that i see the flower it is something apart from me i am smelling the flower that smell is apart from me how can it be a part of ahankara so once we describe this you will find that how wonderfully the yoga sutra has understood the human psychology thousands of years back all the tanmatras even we at present most of us even those who are studying the scriptures if you go and ask that what the tanmatra is they will say all the small minuscule subatomic particles of what i see are the tanmatras if you try to understand that way you can never really understand that how can they be the ahankara part of ahankar asmita how can the flower be part of me and this panchatanmatra conglomerates to form panchabhuta so this the mind the organs of action the organs of perception are the indriya and this panchatanmatra gandhatanmatra sparsha and other things are the
I think I'm audible. I, I thought that the message came. So is the organ of uh, this, all these uh, Tanmatras are the Bhutas, but how can they be Ahankar? So here you will find it's a wonderful Sutra, which is speaking of some uh, scientific knowledge, which is very, very contemporary. How they knew it thousands of years back. Once we try to understand this, we will find it's a wonderful thing with the Sutra is speaking. Now what actually Sattva, Rajas, Tamas? We will now try to understand that. What First let us start with the Tanmatra. That the, we have the idea that the Tanmatras are the subatomic particles. It's actually the wrong way of understanding. Tanmatras are not the subatomic particles. They are the piecemeal perceptions. What is piecemeal perception? So the sattvic, rajasic and tamasic state of ahankara finds expression through the mind as follows. Very interesting that how can the panchabhuta, the tanmatras actually a expression of my ahankara, of my asmita. Just take an example that you are seeing this example so many times we have put this example, we have placed this example. When you are seeing a red flower, I think that the red flower is something outside apart from me that is what I am seeing. But actually, I never see the red flower the way I think that it is something red flower, the redness is there outside. No. How the perception happens, even the modern science will say you that actually we are hallucinating. All our perceptions are hallucinations. We all hallucinate in the same way and that becomes the consensus reality. What is consensus reality? I consent to what you see because we are hallucinating the same way, but actually it is all hallucination. The so-called mental aberrations, those who have some mental problems, you will find nowadays, even the doctors, even the psychologists never use the term that they are mentally ill. They never use what they say. They are a bit different. We are hallucinating, they are also hallucinating, but they are minority. Their process of hallucination is different from ours of the majority. So the way the majority hallucinates, they have voted it to be the reality. And the other who is not conforming, the one or two who are not conforming to that, we say that his uh, perception is having some aberration, but actually it is something different. What is happening? So that's this thing we have discussed. Again, just let us to bring this point out. Let us just try to understand. When I'm seeing the red flower, what is happening? The redness is not there outside. I'm having the fragrance. The fragrance is not there outside. When with the mind, I'm just, what is happening when I'm just looking out and seeing the red flower, what is happening? The light is falling on the red flower and all the wavelengths of lights are absorbed, a particular wavelength, which I say red, actually it has no color. That wavelength is reflected back. It comes and touches your retina. The function of the light stops there. The light never enters your brain, the organ of your mind. The brain is the organ of your mind. mind brain is not the mind. The mind is finding expression through the brain. So by understanding the function of the brain, to a certain extent, we find to understand the way the mind is working. So that light is not entering the brain. Brain is the darkest part of your, this, uh, of your body. No light enters there. If you think yourself sitting in the brain, it is dark. Then how I'm perceiving the light? The moment the light touches the retina, it gets converted into some nerve impulse which is carried through that, that nerve impulse is, nervous impulse is carried through the optic nerve. It is just a nerve impulse, no light. Light never enters there. And that impulse, when it reaches the so-called color perception center, it is not actually perception center. It is actually color projection center. The moment that particular nerve impulse reaches the color center, the color is projected by that center color center. It's not perceived. That color is projected, it moves out and envelops the flower to give you the impression it is red. Now, what is Tanmatra? 
all these programming that's for such and such particular wavelength of uh, light when it gets converted into a particular type of nerve impulse is to be projected as red it is there in the programmed in your so called mind not only my mind everyone's mind and that becomes the consensus reality actually there is no redness outside the smell when i say it has a nice smell the same smell is being concentrated by we us all we all say yeah that's a nice fragrance so same the smell also is being projected because the real smell so called is not entering your brain the that the so called the particles of the the pollens of the flower at the most reaches your nostril and there it ends from there it is again the nerve impulse which is being carried to the smell center and the smell center projects that smell so now what are the tanmatras that each and every this programmed personal perception till you see the flower those perceptions are there in your mind your mind is not blank our perception generally we feel how is our perception happening that my mind is like an empty pitcher and all the perceptions are like i'm pouring all the perception in that wait never happens how it is happening all the program is there external world is a suggestion and that suggestion is being decoded the perceptions just in the computer the moment you press the a keyboard say a does that really that a is coming finding expression in your screen as a no that a at last gets converted even those who know the basic computer is is getting converted into zero and one computer understands nothing apart from zero and one that is on and off that zero and one is permuted and uh, this permutation combination is happening in such a way that again when it comes to the screen it appears as a it's not that i have pressed a and that same a has came out the same way the mind is working all the things are in the mind is programmed in such a way that it finds expression in that form which in the form sight smell whatever it may be in which we all consent because our all the minds are constituted in the same way so this all the mind which are constituted in the same way is that mahat the mula prakriti finds expression as a cosmic mind it is same in all you will now this all these piecemeal perceptions are there already loaded there the when the perception happens immediately finds expression now all these perceptions again will and what is the bhuta all these tanmatras piecemeal perceptions when i am seeing the flower it's not that i just smell the flower which is separate from the thing i'm seeing i know the same flower which is red is having a nice fragrance that these two perceptions has been conglomerated has been mixed up this mixing up makes the thing makes the bhuta makes the thing as i am perceiving this all these piecemeal perceptions combine together to give you a sense of all the bhuta all the objects which i see so now you will understand how ahankar from ahankara the tanmatras just the way with my ahankara my organs of perception are linked organs of action are linked my mind is linked the same way these tanmatras are linked they are there already in my mind hidden to give to understand when you are in deep sleep all the tanmatras are hidden as tamas that's the sthiti all the so called programmings of the mind till they are illuminated are tamas so you will understand tamas dark your your mind is not illumined you are sleeping in deep sleep they are there that is the tamas now when you wake up first what happens the amness finds expression ahankara that i am that yes i was even not aware of that amness that amness now first and then you open your eyes look out through the window now you see the red flower what has happened all those impressions which were there in your mind they were there in a potential form all those impressions were in the potential form the moment you see the flower that flower is a suggestion that potential 
this uh, concept of the flower finds expression. So that, that tamas is getting converted into sattva. Sattva is illumination. When I see the flower, it gets illumined. How that illumination is happening? Because of the external flower? No. The way my mind is projecting the color, the smell, other things, that's how the illumination is happening. So what is the, uh, the sattva is this illumination. Now you will find that in our scripture, they say this, all the three gunas are interconvertible. They are constantly changing from one form to the other. So the tamas, the moment you get up, the tamas is getting converted into sattva. Now, when the moment you see that flower, you have the impression that it is there. That stimuli now finds expression as response. You get up, most probably you are a devotee. You have a very nice shrine and altar in your house. So you move out to pluck the flower, bring it and offer it to the divine. So the stimuli is now finding expression as action. That is again the rajas. The stimuli is finding expression as action is the rajas. Now you will understand the thing which I am seeing outside. Is there anything apart from the sattva rajatama? The sattva rajatama actually speaks of in the modern language is nothing but stimuli response conditioning. The stimuli is the sattva, the response is the rajas and how this stimuli is getting converted into rajas because of the activation of the mind where all the impressions are already there. So this is the idea of Tanmatra. So now you will understand how that from Ahankara, the organs of perception comes, the organs of action comes, the mind of course is linked to the Ahankara and also the Tanmatras and the Bhutas are linked to the Ahankara. So now you will find actually yoga, when he's explaining the creation, is not explaining the details of the creation outside. It is actually explaining the process of perception. What you're seeing, it is not explaining. How you're seeing that is being explained. So that then when you understand that, then you won't ever confuse with the scientific explanation with the yoga explanation. Yoga actually is speaking of the psychology, the process of perception. So when I see the red flower, the color, the shape, the fragrance, so, etc. are perceived by the various perception centers. They are the tanmatras. When I was sleeping, all those centers were lying dormant. The dormant state uh, which of the tanmatras and their potentiality to conglomerate, to generate the knowledge of panchabhuta is the tamas or the sthiti. It is just in the potential form. So, when I wake up and look out through the window and see the flower, all the tanmatras corresponding to the flower conglomerate to illumine me with the knowledge of the flower. So this illumination is sattva. So tamas is getting converted into sattva. And once that is that happens, then next what happens? Once the flower is perceived, now I move out of my room and go to the garden to pluck the flower and offer it to the altar of the shrine. Thus illumination is getting transformed into action. So this is rajas. So the sattva, rajas and tamas are the stimuli response conditioning whose constant mutation from one form to the other is creating this drishya. Now, very interesting, each and every word from, if you can really understand, decipher the word, you get the philosophy. This drishya, the word which I see in Sanskrit is called prapancha. We use this word, but we don't know the real meaning, prapancha. Prakrishta Rupena Pancha. These five Tanmatras are conglomerating in various ways, in various permutation and combination to give me the impression of this world. Is there anything apart from that? Nothing. What I see is Prapancha. These five perceptions. Beyond these five perceptions, the world doesn't exist for me. If I had a different sense, by which if I had a sense, Swami Vivekananda in one place is saying that suppose I had a sense to uh, perceive the electromagnetic radiation, the world would have been different from me, for me. If I would have perceived the ultraviolet light, the world would have been more colorful. See the ultraviolet light, which burns my skin, I don't see it. It is so intense, but I don't see it. Well, very interesting. The nocturnal animals at night, they see the world clearly. 
we say it is dark. You know why? Because their sense organs are a bit different from ours. At night when we are seeing everything is dark, actually because of the refracted rays of the sunlight, it is not dark. The infrared light is permeating the so-called the dark hemisphere. But that we don't have the capacity to see the infrared light. So for us, it is dark. But the nocturnal animals, their eye sees the infrared light. So for them, everything is lighted. Not only that, they cannot see the light which is having frequency greater than red. So in the daytime, everything is dark for them. So that's why they go into the hole and just rest because everything is dark. If you have visited the zoo, they will understand this very clearly. You will, will find that in the zoo, wherever the nocturnal animals are kept, you will find you have to enter through the dark space. And not only that, where in the glass, there's all the so-called, uh, in, the, in the glass encased, uh, all the animals which are in the aquariums, you will find the light is red color. Very, very, uh, what do you say? That's uh, low frequency red color light is illuminating the so-called the aquarium. Why that red color? Because that is the only common frequency where we can also perceive those nocturnal animals can perceive. If you keep the entire section lighted, it will be dark for them. So they will just go and uh, inside the hole and you cannot see them. The zoo, purpose of the zoo is to see those animals. So what they have done, they have kept that light, which has, which is common for our perceptions. So I, so seeing that red light, they come out. In that they can perceive everything, and we can also perceive. So now you will understand that the same word is so different, as per the the way that our indriyas are programmed. That's how to create the reality for us. The reality which we think is outside there is actually the projection of the mind. And that has been actually spoken of as a sattva, rajas, tamas. Now, this is very interesting, this sutra. So this, what is happening? This, with the help of the pancha gyanendriya, the pancha tanmatras are actually being perceived. And that is finding expression as action through the pancha karmendriyas. And all this is happening in the mind. So this is the 24 tattvas which the Yoga Sutra speaks of. So now you will find the Sutra becomes just as clear, means very clear to understand. There is, there you will find that there remains no uh, gap in understanding. Prakasha, Kriya, Sthiti, Shilam. This world is nothing but the expression of illumination, action and inertia. This inertia is the, all the programmed uh, state of our mind. That's there till they are illumined they are there hidden. It's not blank. Bhuta, Indriya, Atmakam. So these three states finds expression as either as the Bhuta. Bhuta means this Tanmatras and the Panchabhuta or the thing which is perceiving, Indriya, the five senses and the mind and as well as the five organs of action. And what, what's, the res, what's the utility of that? Why are they there? They? for bhoga apavargartham, to experience. And once the experience is done, once when you're reading the book, page by page you're reading, there's a bhoga. Once the book has been read, what do you do? You just simply close it and keep it apart. That is apavarga, liberation. I've gone through the nature, all the experiences. Now I have nothing to do with it. It has given me the lesson that I have got the knowledge. Now the detachment comes, that results in the apavarga. So that's the utility of the Drishya. Drishya is there to take us through certain experiences at last resulting in liberation. And these experiences are nothing because this it has only two aspects, the Bhuta and the Indriya, the things which are perceived and the organs of perceptions. And this interaction is resulting in the constant mutation of Sattva, Rajas and Tamas, illumination, action and the inertia, the state the potential state of the mind these are constantly mutating so that's as simple as that which has been spoken of in this sutra the next sutra will speak something wonderful that this uh, the drishya which has been spoken of 
Now, we found that the Drishya is nothing but uh, Sattva Rajas Tamas, constantly mutating. Now, the Sattva Rajas Tamas, which I find manifested in this world, it it's only when it's manifested then the world becomes drishya but how it manifests in through the various stages there's all the four states through which the gunas manifest has been spoken of in the 19th sutra once we read the sutra and go to the explanation you will find it's a wonderful way of explaining that how the mind has evolved to at last result in the drishya which we are seeing there are four states through which these gunas are mutating what are they? Vishesha. The terms are very important. A Vishesha. Linga Matra Alinga. So the Guna has the four states. Vishesha, A Vishesha, Linga Matra third and Alinga, the fourth. So the Sutra says Vishesha, A Vishesha, Linga Matra, Alingani, Guna Parvani. Guna Parva. The various states of Guna are these this four. There are four states. So Vishesha. First, let us try to understand, uh, well, uh, designate what actually the Vishesha means, and then we will go to the explanation. Vishesha, this, these are a bit technical, but if you really try to understand, you will really be amazed that how scientific it is. Not a single word which has been spoken, which uh, has, uh, uh, what you say, something to uh, say of something esotericism that we it's just a mere term we don't understand and we have lost the meaning of it no nothing like that these terms are not used but the concepts are something which you will find even in the modern science as the terms are not used sometimes we find that they are creating confusion but actually once you understand the concept behind the terms you will find it's very very scientific way of explaining the psyche how it is nicely explaining the vishesha First, let us try to understand what the Vishesha is. It is specified, which is, means that is specified, that has already manifested, that is Vishesha. So it is a state in which the three gunas can be classified as Sattva Rajasthamas. That when I'm seeing the flower that I see as the Sattva, how it has happened, the Tamas has actually muted to Sattva and then results in actions, the Rajas. So it is something manifested. This manifested state is possible because of the 16 transformations. You will understand how it is possible. <clears throat> the Pancha Bhuta, already the Tanmatras have conglomerated to form Bhuta. When I'm seeing the flower, already the Pancha the Tanmatras, the piecemeal perceptions has conglomerated. I don't see the Tanmatras, I see the Bhuta. This Pancha Bhuta, Pancha Gyanendriya, Pancha Karmendriya and the mind. These are the things which results in the visible world, the 16 transformations. Vishesha, that is specified, which is something already manifested. Avishesha is the unspecified, as a state in which the three gunas cannot be classified. They are differentiated. That is the when it is in the state of ahankara and the panchatan matra, when you are sleeping. This your mind already has that programming. Your ahankara for the time being is not finding expression when you are sleeping. You don't know that you are only when you wake up, then you are aware of your amnes. Then does that amnes is not there, but it is there. It is not manifested. And the panchatan matras, they are also there. They are not conglomerating. They are also in potential from there. there. That is avishesha. So when I'm sleeping, the mind is in the state of that avishesha. What is the linga matra? The sign or indication that proves the existence of gunas. Uh, once we get, uh, go to the example, when we resort to the example, this will become very clear. First, let us just try to find out the design, designate what it is actually speaking of. Similarly, uh, the first manifestation of Mula Prakriti, which gives the indication that Prakriti is going to manifest is the Mahatattva. So we studied in the, that previous, you have seen that Mahat, this Mahatattva is finding expression as ahankar. This mahatattva is the linga matra. Why it is called linga matra? Once we give the example, it will become very clear. This is the linga matra. Mula prakriti is the alinga, ahankara, and the tanmatras are the vishesh, uh, avishesha, and this panchabhuta and uh, this gyanendriya, karmendriya, and the mind are the vishesha. So you may find that this is with technical, but now the once we take an example, you will find. It's a wonderful way of really, uh, what you say, that classifying the gunas. What it is? Let us take the example of a mobile phone. 
Now, when the mobile, you just say that a particular brand of mobile phone is in the showroom. All are alike, isn't it? Any phone is having the same structure. Anyone you buy, they will function in the exactly the same way. You cannot differentiate between this phone. So as if the Mula Prakriti, this, the things by which these mobiles are made, this is the Mula Prakriti, has got converted into Mahat, the cosmic mind. All these are same. It's like they are the cosmic mind. What is Ahankara? The moment you go to the showroom and purchase a particular mobile and you personalize it, you're yet to start using it. You have just personalized it. Now, nothing is there, but even if it gets lost immediately because of its, there's a code number and other this, the things immediately, it can be found out that it is your mobile. Though still nothing is there, but the moment you buy and personalize it, so now what has happened? That ahankara, the mahat, has taken expression as the ahankara and the tanmatras, the, all the, what you say that the things, uh, that the way the mobile is programmed is now still lying in the latent form. That is, that what you say that the state of uh, linga matra. Alinga is the mula prakriti. There is no sign, all are same. The moment you buy, it becomes linga matra. The word linga means sign. The word actually the linga means sign. So moment you buy and personalize, it becomes linga matra. So uh, just I mean, the words are very important. We all, when we use the word in particular sense, we lose the real meaning. That linga is actually, uh, nowadays we use the linga as the, the genitals. Why? When a child is born, it is the genitals which is the sign, whether it's a male or female. So actually linga means sign, but we have used it in a specific way and we have lost the real meaning. So the word linga means sign. The moment you buy the mobile and that ahankara means from the mula prakriti, from the, the same cosmic mind, you are personalizing ahankara. This is my mind. That is the linga matra. So there's the mobile has been personalized. And then what you do, you already have certain apps and download few more apps, but you're not using any of them. So that is the avishesha, ahankara and the panchatan matra. That all the apps which you have downloaded, but you're yet to use them. So still that your mobile in what always it can function, you don't know. You have increased its scope of working, but still you don't know. Now, when you start working on the app, then you, the world of virtual reality emanates. If you are, if you are just traveling, you have opened the GPS. It is working in a particular way. When you are using your contact details to phone, it is working in a particular way. So, as per the various apps, you may watch a movie. You may just go for the Google search. You may see your email. So, as for the apps, it is now manifesting. This manifested state is the vishesha. So all the pancha bhuta, pancha gyanendriya, pancha karmendriya, and the manas is the vishesha. So just with the help of the mobile, we try to understand the same thing as actually like the mind. The, our individual mind is like that actually is a cosmic mind. Till you buy it from the showroom, it's all same. When I'm in the sleep, deep sleep, they're all almost same. And then the moment I wake up, Still, there is no distinction. I am aware when I was in deep sleep, I was not even aware of my amnes. The moment I wake up, I'm just aware of my amnes and I know I am separate from you. But till then, now also, the world is yet to be perceived by me and the reactions, the way I react to it is also going to happen still later. So first that amnes, that is the linga matra. And then that avishesha. Now, your mind, the way are the things which I have downloaded in my mind is different from your mind. Till when it is in the avishesha state, till I cannot find out that what is there in your mind and what is in my mind. That you may use the flower for worship and someone may use it just for most probably uh, going and giving it to some his friend, offering it as a, offering it as a love. So the way you are trying, you are going to react is as per your mental inclinations 
as per your taste, as per your uh, way of thinking. So the vishesha, now there only we can really find out the distinctions of the various personalities. So this vishesha is the manifested state. A vishesha is the storehouse of the individual personality. Linga matra is the ahankara and the mula prakriti, the that's the alinga means you cannot you cannot distinguish as as long as they are yet to be specified so that's how the all the 24 principles have been categorized with the help of these terms vishesha avishesha linga matra and alinga so this 24 tattvas has been elucidated in these sutras so we try to understand with the help of the mobile phone another example this will be still easier to understand so you know that the soil, the, the breeding ground is alinga. When you, when you sow a seed, from the seed, we say from the seed, the plant comes out. Is it really from the seed, the plant comes out? Never. When the plant has grown, and I say the banana is rich in phosphorus, was the phosphorus in the seed? No. The seed actually has been, was programmed in such a way that it takes the ingredients from the soil and when this plant sprouts, it finds expression in a particular way. Yes, the ingredients are taken, assimilated, and finds expression in a particular way. The soil is alinga. There is no sign how it can find expression. Which plant is going to have which minerals, which vitamins, I don't know. They're all there in the soil. The seed is the linga matra. Just by seeing the seed, I know, oh, this is the mango seed. It, when it manifests, it will manifest in a particular way. The jackfruit, it will manifest in a particular way. So they are the linga. These individual mimes now becomes a linga. The sapling, even when, you know, I know this is a mango plant, this is a jackfruit plant, but when just the sapling has came out, it is almost impossible to distinguish. As they grow, now it starts flowering, it starts giving fruit, it has become vishesha. Now it is palpably visible that what plant it is. Even the banyan seed is so small, unless it sprouts and become big, you don't know that what type of seed it is. So just the way the seed sprouts gradually to at last find expression, our individual mind is the linga matra. It's a product of the cosmic mind, which when, what you say that, even finding expression as avishesha, when at the beginning, just that amnes is expressing, still it cannot be distinguished from others. But as it starts manifesting more and more, that it finds expression as a vishesha. Vishesha means specified. Now I am a totally different, segregated, tangible personality, which is totally separate from the others. So similarly, the mula prakriti, the breeding substratum of the entire phenomenon is alinga. Our individual minds are the linga matra. When we are in deep sleep, our individual minds with all its potentialities is the linga matra. When we just wake up, and I'm just aware of our individuality, that is ahankara, and the senses get activated for perception, that is the tanmatras, it is a state of avishesha. When we are fully awake, we all start responding to the various stimuli as per our latencies, giving expression to all the three gunas, that is the state of the vishesha. Now it is specified. So till now, so now you will understand that how nicely, it is the entire thing, it is not explaining the external world. The yoga and the Vedanta is not bothered about the external world. It has never disturbed that. What, what it is, we don't know. Let us try to understand how it is being perceived. And that is being explained. That how we are perceiving, how gradually the Sattva is finding expression through these four stages of Alinga, Linga Matra, Avishesha, Vishesha. That has been explained. And that's what the Drishya is. In the next class, we will take up this next sutra, which speaks of the drashta. What is the nature of the drashta? This drishya and the drashta, when they conjoin, that creates the suffering. So we should know the real nature of it. So that's why first they are distinguishing the nature. So that's how, so it is a bit technical, but at the same time, what's the spiritual side of it? That is it just the knowledge? No. That the real the, the substance of today's discussion is what? That the way when I am seeing the world of virtual reality in the TV screen, I never really suffer 
even though when the tragedy is there i enjoy that's why i'm watching why i'm enjoying because i have a sense that after all it's all virtual it's not real but why we suffer in our day to day life because we take them to be real yoga just through this two sutras will just bring you bring uh, uh, that point in your mind you bring bring home this point what that this world which we are seeing is as virtual as what you see in the tv it's not real so if it is not real then the moment what happens that our sense of involvement now i that i get the clue that why i should detach from that it is this projection this wonderful the, the uh, when you are watching the movie it's only uh, the light and sound that is projected now it is uh, even that we have the surrounding sound the 3d images and we think that we have done a wonderful advancement in science but we forget it's a very poor imitation of our mind our mind is a projector with the five senses it's projecting the world of virtual reality and constantly we are being deluded by taking it to be real and that's why we suffer once we understand it is as virtual as the thing which you see in the tv then the question of separation from the drashta from the drishya comes so now after all this discussion this is the point which you should with which you should go home what's the point that this is after all what i'm seeing is nothing but chemistry this is the word which they use nowadays that all your emotions everything is chemistry nothing else and it's the thing which we take real and that's why we suffer we take them to be the something which is really happening which is really happening in me creating those dualities and that's why we suffer know it from this discussion which actually speaks of science it's nothing in any way it is uh, speaking something which uh, has no meaning it is something which is speaking of the science and once you understand the science now internalize it don't keep it just as an information if you just keep it as an information if you don't internalize then it has no meaning that's the only difference between the science and the spirituality they're speaking of the same knowledge in psychology also you can get the same knowledge but the way now the way you interpret it that makes a difference a a, a student of psychology by interpreting how they will interpret oh it's all chemistry so nothing has to be taken seriously all the relations everything why to take the emotion as real and be so serious about your relations lead a carefree life so that's the way of interpretation the same thing and that can really lead you to the disintegration but again the same thing when you are interpreting by internalizing those interpretations how that these are the things which actually has no meaning it's not for diving deep into it it's just to be detached so that i may not fall under its snare again and again and suffer because if you may you may say that it's chemistry and i take no relations uh, and nothing very seriously i lead a carefree life the result we know all we all know that though we are uh, intellectually saying that it is chemistry we know very well that we get so involved that it creates tremendous suffering tremendous pang and then when the tremendous suffering is there i can no more say it is chemistry i can say it is chemistry if i am detached you can in our life what happens when we understand this and don't understand it in proper sense we say it is chemistry as long as the pleasure is there but when the pain comes i find it's very difficult to understand that it is chemistry it's very difficult only a detached soul can understand just i have taken 5 minutes extra just a small another 2 minutes with the one real uh, incidents we will this end today's discussion there was a very famous greek philosopher known as diogenes he always used to say the world is a dream and now the young uh, all the young libertines of that society they thought we will have to teach this old man a lesson so what they did those cruel fellows one day tied his feet behind the chariot of a horse chariot and dragged it on the rough road for a quite a long distance and diogenes was full of bruises he was bleeding now they opened now now they released him 
and then asked, is the world a dream? The Diogenes reply was wonderful. He was a realized soul. He told, yes, still it's a dream. Yes, it's a painful dream, but it's a dream. It's a painful dream, but still it's a dream. So when you realize that's the result, now the suffering, but for us, what happens? When we are enjoying, we may say it's all chemistry, nothing real, and we may not take the relation seriously. We will lead a light of libertine. But when the pangs come, then we can never say that it is chemistry. So that's the difference. So that's why the same realization, when we take it in a spiritual sense, it can liberate us. Otherwise, the same thing, when we see a different perspective, can be the cause of our disintegration, suffering, and bondage. So with this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you.